0: and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So today I've got quite a bit of things that I want to touch on. Uh, some news and notes, some rumors. I'm probably going to get a little bit ranty. There's a couple different things, two different people. You know, I was just talking yesterday about how you know, if I'm being honest, I liked the days when the media was gushing over the Packers a lot more than I like today. I really did like that, and kind of you know, it, it was it was somewhat undeserved, kind of like what the Chiefs get with Mahomes and now Lamar. You know, the the golden boy treatment that that Aaron Rodgers somehow had for it felt like basically his entire career up until what 2015. Maybe even late, because I think I think even as he started to decline, the media was still all over him. Because you know that's just how they work. Nobody wants to be the first to say it, and then as soon as somebody says it, it's like this just avalanche of yeah, I don't I don't like him either. And now it's just you know who can dislike him the most. You know that's that's how you get to be edgy without actually being edgy because you didn't want to say it for five ten years. Anyways, I don't like this so much. However, I got to admit there's something kind of nice and extra motivating about these games. You've already got the aspect of I really 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 want to win and see this team in a Super Bowl. It's it's sort of like it hasn't even sunk in that it's a possibility. And it's not because I I'm deter or I believe thoroughly that we're going to lose. It's just it's just like that that just doesn't happen. Packers don't go to the Super Bowl and they certainly don't win the Super Bowl. I mean it's just it's super rare and probably not and I forget who it was, and I apologize, but somebody gave the visual in the Facebook group, make sure you join the Facebook group, that he could envision Aaron Rodgers and Zadarius next to each other hoisting the trophy, and it was like one of those things, that visual just made it very real, and it was like, oh my goodness, this could really happen. I mean, this could really actually happen. But then you take the excitement of winning and the desire to win and add to it how much disdain I'm developing for everybody because everybody dislikes the packers and some of it is fine right you got the the sports books and everything else out there saying the packers have the lowest chance depending on where you look of winning a super bowl i kind of get it you've got some statistics people just kind of laying out some facts but for the most part you have very biased people that have never liked the packers and love the fact that Aaron Rodgers is not the favorite anymore, and take every opportunity they can to remind everybody, which largely it's wrongly, but because this is what the statistic community now believes, remind everybody that Aaron Rodgers is no longer the GOAT, he's no longer even any good, he's average, this team is a fraud, they just can't stop. And every opportunity they get to say it, they say it. So that's starting to make me angry to the point That I want them to be wrong almost as bad as I just want the Packers to win. Because the level of disdain I have for them, although I get it, because that's what being a fan of a different team is about, it's still a little bit annoying. So I want to address some of that. And again, just some other, uh, little bit of this, little bit of that. But anyways, as I said, make sure you jump in the Packernet Podcast Facebook group. That's where the party's at all day, every day. We party and we talk about the Packers. That's just what we do. Also, apparently, get into very serious discussions about needles in San Francisco. You know, some people tend to rant kind of like I tend to rant. I can't hate him for it. It's, it's my life, too. Also, make sure you jump in the Packernet Podcast Facebook page. Thank you to all of you who have sent messages. Obviously, you have not been getting hardly any responses. I have to go in and start working on all those responses and develop, or excuse, you know, develop responses to all the stuff you've been saying. Because, again, my goal is to build the ultimate supercomputer. I don't think that's possible, but it's, you know, I got all year to figure this thing out. I don't care. What else do I have to do? I picked one thing that I want to really work on this year on top of all the stuff that I'm doing, and that's one of the things I want to build, so leave me alone. What's your New Year's resolution? Push-ups? Get out of my face. I'm building a supercomputer, man. Skynet, son. Before the T-1000 was the Schwarzenegger guy. Before the Schwarzenegger guy was the Packernet chatbot. You didn't catch that in Terminator, did you? Oh, wait till Terminator 8. They'll they they'll tell you. That's how it all begins. If and you would like to support the Packernet podcast, I would strongly encourage you to check out patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. There is a link in the description somewhere. It's in the link of links. You can support the show for as little as a dollar a month. It means a lot more to me than it does to you in terms of, you know, it's more positive for me than it's negative for you. I understand podcasts are free, but I'm hoping that you like the value that I bring enough that you think it would be worth it to you to offer up at least a buck a month. Please consider it. I've had a very, very good response. Um, up over 50 donors now, which is awesome. as long as you don't consider the fact that there are literally thousands of people that listen every day that it's slightly less awesome. But still, it's it's good. it's a good start. And don't forget there will be a giveaway every single month. All you have to do is make a small donation. One dollar is one entry. is five entries, et cetera, et cetera. If you just want to win the thing straight out, uh, Super Bowl tickets ought to do it. I think that'll increase your odds substantially. So there you go. Something to think about. Otherwise, a five-star iTunes review, Stitcher review, and make sure you are listening to the Packernet Podcast because the podcast is broadcast on another podcast that is not called the Packernet Podcast. If you don't want to switch over, that's fine. I still get all the, the counts for it. I just would like itunes and the rest to realize that people actually do listen to my podcast so if you wouldn't mind subscribing to mine as well that'd be greatly appreciated why don't we take a break because i got a lot to talk about and not a lot of time to talk about it living with chronic pain is kind of a nightmare it's more than just discomfort it can affect your whole life i know there are a lot of people listening to this podcast that probably have some type of pain that has prevented them from relaxing sleeping stopping them from exercising Perhaps it's been ongoing for weeks and now it hasn't improved with any of the treatments they've tried. Enter Omax Health. If you're looking to get rid of nagging muscle and joint pain immediately while providing long-lasting recovery, then you need to try the natural breakthrough pain relief solution CryoFreeze CBD Roll-On developed by Omax Health. This non-prescription, triple-action pain relief roll-on is specifically formulated to block pain receptors, reduce inflammation, and provide muscle and joint flexibility. The best part is, this 100% natural CBD-powered remedy works its magic within 10 minutes of application, and relief lasts up to 8 hours, much longer than over-the-counter products. As a bonus to you, Omax Health is offering my listeners 20% off a full bottle of CryoFreeze CBD pain relief roll-on plus free shipping. This discount also applies toward any product site-wide. Just go to omaxhealth.com today, enter promo code OVERTIME, that's O-M-A-X, health.com, and enter promo code OVERTIME to get 20% off CryoFreeze and site-wide. And once you're feeling better, You don't want to just feel better sitting on the couch. You especially don't want to just feel better out shoveling your driveway, making the pain come right on back. How about instead, we spend our February and March following our favorite baseball teams to Arizona for the Cactus League spring training. I can't imagine a better way to spend February than out in 75-degree weather watching some baseball, eating a couple hot dogs, hanging out with your significant other, your buddies, your kids, then after the game getting some autographs, and then buzzing over to one of the great craft breweries. Some great outdoor scenery and adventures. Like hiking, biking, jeep tours, hot air balloons, skydiving, jet skiing, horseback riding. And then after you're completely famished, go out and get some great Arizona cuisine. cuisine, as Gordon Ramsay kind of says. You know the British, they don't speak too good. cuisine. They try, you know, I don't know. So make sure you plan your spring training getaway at visitarizona.com slash All right, so much to do, so little time. What are we talking about? How about the fact that Luke Keekley just retired yesterday? Can you imagine being a Carolina Panthers fan? You had a good team, then it all kind of went sideways. We know what that's like. It happened the last couple of years, right? Suddenly things just aren't good anymore. We were a Super Bowl contender, and then we were trash. Our quarterbacks banged up. But then it's like, all right, we're starting over. Then we get this guy Rule in, and it's like he's going to take over and he's going to transform everything. And then you find out that LSU, who just won the national championship, the passing game coordinator, the guy that's worked with Joe Burrow and, and the rest of that LSU crew to help them to win the national championship, is going to join Rule and help us rule the NFC uh, South. Took me a second there. And it, you're just feeling good, and you know it's you're probably going to get a new quarterback. Maybe you like it, maybe you don't. But, I mean, it's just it's a new era, right? Because this, this is a good team. We just got some work to do. We got to fix up this defense a little bit. But, man, we got the best running back in football. We're going to get an electrifying uh, quarterback in here. I think a guy like Herbert would be great. Somebody that doesn't really need to be benched, but as long as he has a good supporting cast, which which the Panthers kind of do, right? They've got wide receivers kind of for the first time. they got a great running back. Decent enough offensive line. Like, you can plug him in and just make some stuff happen. And then we'll just focus on the defense and just hammer away at it. And we're going to be good, man. We got Keekly hammering this thing, anchoring it down. And the day that you get the news that you got a new offensive coordinator, the guy that has been, like, the guy on your team, one of the better linebackers of all time, decides that at 28 years old, with two years left on his contract, he's going to hang it up. That's wild. By the way, this is not insignificant news to the Green Bay Packers because the Green Bay Packers are playing the Carolina Panthers at home in 2020. The Panthers, who had a abysmally horrible defense this past year, are now without Luke Kuechly. Now, there, who knows what's going to happen. You know, after uh, Gronk left, obviously there was a ton of speculation that he was going to come back. Maybe this is just a, a moment, you know, as far as lacking clarity. Maybe it's it's injury-related and he's he's just really worried. Who knows? But things change. He's still 28. He's still healthy. Maybe he's not the same Luke Keekley he was last year. He said in his goodbye message, he's just not that same guy and he doesn't want to play if he can't play up to that level anymore. But maybe. I mean, Jared Feldier, uh retired and now he's back helping us win a Super Bowl. But as it stands, the Packers now are planning to go up against the Carolina Panthers at home without Luke Keekley. I think the sooner we get that team, the better – because the new coach and all that stuff, that's going to take some time to kind of develop that team, build that locker room, build up the new scheme and the new system. And uh, you, you get those teams early enough before they really kind of get into their groove, if they ever do. But you catch them before they get in their groove, and that's that's going to work to our benefit. I also wanted to comment on something, and it's a little bit old news, but I, it's, it's interesting. Apparently, and this is reported via Tony Pauline, I actually was... I found this while I was doing some draft homework, trying to get caught up on all the latest news and rumors and things for the draft, and came across some news that apparently, prior to the Vikings beating the New Orleans Saints, and, and understand, Tony Pauline is legit. He called Stefanski to the Browns, like in this same article, prior to, you know, Minnesota and the Saints game. Not, you shouldn't say he called it, but he said that the Browns' number one candidate was Stefanski. Anyways, he had said, based on an inside source, the Minnesota Vikings are kind of tired of, of Zimmer. Now, I'm shocked by this because the, the outside perspective by everybody not in Minnesota is that Zimmer's a phenomenal coach. He's done a great job. Obviously, a Zimmer defense is a very tough defense, and the defense is what makes that team great. Obviously, Cousins did a good job and all this other stuff, but the Zimmer defense is what makes the Minnesota Vikings the Minnesota Vikings. But in Pauline's words, Zimmer has worn out his welcome in Minnesota. Now, here's the interesting thing. The report was, if they lose to the New Orleans Saints, Zimmer's done, and Stefanski will get hired as the head coach. So, I, I, because I believe the source, I do think that the ownership wants to move on from Zimmer. However, they did beat New Orleans. Now, I can't imagine one game like that is really going to make that big of a difference, although, I mean, of course, it's a big win. But to be that good of a team to get into the playoffs and to still say, if you lose to basically the number one team arguably in the NFL, then you're no good. And it's, that's kind of a ridiculous statement. It sounds to me like something you'd say when you kind of just want him to go. Um, but the other kind of unfortunate thing is for the Vikings anyways, you also lost your intended replacement. So now what do you do? You, you not only beat the Saints, but the guy that you were going to replace Zimmer with, supposedly, is gone. So you don't have a replacement. Now, forget the, forget the fact that I think this whole thing is a ridiculous conversation. I don't know what's going on inside the organization maybe Zimmer has become an insufferable jerk he feels like he runs things you know whatever I don't know I'm just telling you what the standpoint of ownership is and and for the Vikings fans listening I want to clarify something I understand that the owner has said we 100% are bringing back our GM and our head coach we have no intention of moving up please understand the Eagles said the same thing about two of their coaches and fired them both the same day within 24 hours. I think it was like the quarterback coach and something else. I don't know but there was a question are you bringing him back? He said absolutely they're coming back within 24 hours they were both fired. So when you get put on the spot you, you know you don't waver on is Zimmer coming back Of course he's coming back is your GM coming? Oh yes, definitely. you tell the media yes and then you go do your job. Or you try to throw out some, I mean, there's really just two ways to handle it. You don't care what the media thinks and you just say yes because it's better for your your franchise because you don't want to waver on it and then keep Zimmer with Zimmer, you know, in the back of his mind thinking, these guys are trying to get rid of me. So you just say, of course, that's our guy. Or the other way to handle it is just kind of, you know, not answer the question, in which case everybody fully understands you are answering the question. So you think you're being cute, but you're answering the question and saying, yes, we're trying to get rid of him by wavering on it. Well, we'll see how it goes. Herder, herder, herder. All right, if you were to ask Gudikunz, is LeFleur coming back next year? What do you think the answer? You think it's going to be, well, you know, we got herder, der, der. No, it's, of course. What a stupid question. So when the media asks you, I think the right thing to do is say, yes, of course, dumb question. And then if you want to fire him, you fire him. And if the media wants to call you on it, just who cares? He made you look dumb, not the other way around. Because guess what? You're going to keep asking me questions as though I'm an authority, and I'm going to keep telling you the answers that I want to give you, whether they're true or not. Because I could not care any less about you and your little articles. I've got a team to run, a multi-billion dollar franchise to run, and your little Minnesota blog doesn't mean anything to me, and I'm not going to hurt my franchise answering your ridiculously dumb questions. I don't care about you. So, again, just to say I fully understand he said they're, they're intending to keep them, and at this point, that might be their only option right the the you know I, I don't know maybe they, they like some of the other candidates that are out there um, B enemy McDaniels um, the, the Ravens offensive coordinator is getting a ton of love and could be a very good option you also have to figure that you might be looking to get a new quarterback in the near future so maybe you want to get an off. I think that listen I think this is all ridiculous I, I think this is a defensive team I've talked about identity in the past it's a weird thing but certain teams' franchises just have identities that last through the decades. The Vikings trying to go offense doesn't work. They win when they're a defensive team. Same is true for the Chicago Bears. They have tried over and over and over and over with guys like Trestman and everything else trying to get an elite offense, and it just never works. And the one time that they're a legitimate team is when, despite the fact that they're still trying to go offense, Vic Fangio builds an elite defense, and there you have it. This Minnesota Vikings team lives and dies with their defense. The purple people leaders on through the line. This is a defensive franchise. They are a smash you in the mouth kind of a team. And I just I don't I don't know. I don't know why they would do it. But I wanted to bring it up because it is interesting and it definitely feels like this team is kind of in flux. It's kinda of like Luke Keekly jumping ship when everything's kind of in flux anyway. Like look, I'm I've been kind of on the fence anyways, you're gonna fire my coat, you're getting rid of my quarterback probably maybe you're bringing in all these new people i just you know the franchise is kind of in the in the in the in the dirt whatever i can't think of a word i'm out of here and you know the vikings are kind of going through that not that they're a bad team but you lose your offensive coordinator your defensive coordinator your assistant gm if you're the owner you might look at it and go you know what since we're getting poached and we're losing everything i've been kind of wanting to make some changes anyways let's just kind of make some changes And so all I'm saying is, if I had to guess Zimmer's going to stay, if for no other reason than he met that one qualification in that they beat the Saints, and their replacement is is currently coaching the Browns. However, keep that in the back of your mind. If the Vikings don't have a good year next year, he's 100% gone. And it's also possible that if they find a a good enough candidate, they may move on anyways. I mean, maybe before they go out and find an offensive coordinator, maybe they go out and find somebody, an offensive coordinator, to coach the team, and, and, you know, there's a, a lot of good defensive coordinators floating out there. They don't get as many looks as at head coaching jobs as offensive coordinators do, so there's some really quality guys that are just floating. So anyways, something to keep an eye on. Something else that was brought up kind of along that same vein, uh, Max in the Facebook group said he is a Packer fan from Minnesota and that there is growing speculation that Stephon Diggs is permanently unhappy on an over-leveraged Vikings roster. Now the, the point of his question was, is it possible we end up getting him? And the, the main response that he got was that there's no way the Vikings are going to allow him to go to the Packers. That's probably true. However, let's also keep in mind, he doesn't have to come to Green Bay in order for him to benefit us. If the Vikings really do, and they're kind of in this middle ground, they're kind of in a spot where if they wanted to kind of tear things down, they could, or they can just try to hang on, just replace the vacancies, go into the draft, get some more quality guys, and come back and hammer it again next year. I mean, they're they're still a pretty good team. Although there is that question of the, the ticking time bomb. Right, These guys are getting a year older and a year older, and all our guys that are older are under these really long contracts. I don't know. Maybe we do need to start doing something a little bit more dramatic, a little bit more drastic here. Kendricks, the odds of him playing at this level again are basically zero. He's never played that at that high of a level ever in his career. He's arguably the top linebacker in all of football, and I've been dogging the guy for, for since forever saying he's overrated. Kendricks and Barr, he certainly wasn't overrated this year. And, you know, Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter, very, very good. But, you know, age catches up with everybody. These guys are both in or pushing 30. Daniil is obviously a lot younger. He's got a lot of tread left. But Everson Griffin, I know you got him locked up long-term, but that doesn't mean you got a, a quality player locked up long-term. He's 32. Just because you signed him through 35 doesn't mean you're freezing his age. So I, I don't know. I mean, if it's true that they're considering moving on from their head coach, it's certainly true that they could be willing to move on from their their wide receiver especially if he is kind of a head case and you you feel as though he's a negative in the locker room. I don't know that he is. I mean, sometimes loud guys like that are a positive. Other teammates really like him. I don't think Kirk Cousins does very much because he's always screaming at cousin, but so is your other receiver. Thielen's constantly getting in his face too, so you'd have to cut him if that's if you're just worried about him, his Kirk Cousins feelings, and Kirk Cousins is probably going to be gone pretty soon anyway. so what are you worried about that for? Anyways, that's enough about the Vikings, but I guess here's the hope. You know, the off season has been really crazy since what, like 2017, when it just really went nuts. And we've seen teams do things that, you know, people that have been watching football for a long time, you just think that would never happen. That's too crazy. Those things have been happening the last few years by right? some of the biggest stars just randomly ending up on different teams. So it'll be interesting to watch the Vikings and to kind of gauge and see what their strategy is, which for a long time has been let's just retain everybody. Uh, at some point, you got to assume they're, they're going to try to blow it up a little bit. We'll see what happens. Uh, a little bit of minor Packers news. Apparently, the Packers had a workout with CFL running back to Sean Amos. No clue if there's any relation to Adrian Amos. Um, however, he is a, or was a, Calgary Stampeder and a teammate of Reggie Beggleton, another guy that we had, uh, I believe, signed to a reserve futures deal. So, we'll see what happens. Kudakunst obviously, still doing a lot of work and clearly they've been doing some work in the CFL as well, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to doubt Goop. The man knows what he's doing, so we'll see. Uh, the last thing I want to bring up before we take our break and get into some other more, I don't know, we'll call it phys- philosophical type things. Um, there was a point brought up by no other than OJ Simpson that uh, Aaron Rodgers probably still has a chip on his shoulder against the 49ers. Now, leaving aside the part where that was a very long time ago because he probably still has some kind of a chip something that oj seems to be forgetting is that he probably has a chip had a chip on his shoulder on november 24th when we lost 37 to 8 probably had a chip on his shoulder when we lost to the 49ers 23 to 20 back in 2014 as well as losing twice to the 49ers the year before so i'm not so sure that that really holds a lot of water i bring it up just because it's Entirely possible that there are some Packer fans that heard that and go, oh yeah, he was snubbed, therefore he's angry, therefore he wants revenge. Dude, this is the third time we've faced San Francisco in the playoffs with Aaron Rodgers. We're 0-2. So, yeah, maybe, but I'm not putting a lot on that. However, here's the one thing I will say to try to give a little bit to that. Bigger than Aaron Rodgers is the general theme that although the Packers haven't been perfect, they win when it matters. I would focus a little bit more on that, to be honest. The fact that, yes, we did lose to them earlier in the regular season, but when it really matters, do we have the guys on this team come up and play a good football game, and again, to win when it matters. That's been their MO all year. So it would be very Packers-esque of them to have an ugly series with the 49ers, but ultimately win when it matters, and to once again prove everybody wrong. Something they've been doing literally all year. All right, let's take a break, and then I want to get into see how much of this uh, other stuff we can get at. All right, so I want to start with the the first thing first. That is this Eric Eager guy who is a vitriolic, anti-Packers Vikings fan who is trying to put on his analytics hat as he tries to dismantle the Green Bay Packers. And the shocking thing is that although other people are doing a fairly good job of it, just, just laying out statistical facts and letting it lie there, and letting Packer fans overreact and look like the crazy ones, this Eric dude is just out of his mind. So I want to kind of walk through this a little bit. It doesn't matter simply means that offense is what is most predictive. Mm-hmm. And actually, this game was a perfect example yep. of that. So it's pretty clear he's trying to defend something, right? He's, he's, he's not walking something back, but he got called out for something dumb, and he's trying to defend it. First of all, what in the world are you talking about? So he's trying to defend, apparently, some comment he made about defense doesn't matter, which is dumb, as the guy that uh, has, in a self-proclaimed way, written the book on it. That's just not true. Offense is more predictive of success? That's not true. Remember what my little project was, quarterback versus defense, which really is how this started off. That's what I call it. It ends up being sort of what the predictive odds are of winning based on your statistical points, where you rank in terms of points and yards on offense and on defense. In a mathematical sense, looking at every single Super Bowl winner throughout all of of Super Bowl history, I looked at what the percentage odds are based on all these things. And and points against, which is defensive points allowed, is by far the most predictive in terms of actually winning a Super Bowl. 30%. 30% of all Super Bowl winners had the number one overall defense. That's just number one. I've been through all this stuff before. He's just wrong about this. Defense is more predictive of success. Now, if you're talking about maybe some other things, I I, I don't know what his initial claim was, but he's absolutely wrong. Having a great offense is going to help you win the Super Bowl, but having a better defense is much more predictive. And then for him to go on and say, and this game was a great example of that, excuse me? The Packers won because of their offense against the Seattle defense. Is that the claim that you're making? That's absurd. You're talking about the Packers' five sacks? You know, Russell Wilson had a better day than Aaron Rodgers did statistically. It was, Aaron, it, it was Russell Wilson versus the Packers' defense. That was the story of this game. This was not an example of that. In fact, if you go back over history... The last time they played in the playoffs, the Seahawks won, and it was Seattle's defense against the Packers' offense. This was Seattle's offense against the Packers' defense. In both cases, defense came out on top. The hilarious thing, though, is that his co-host says, yeah, that's right, and then goes on to explain how the Packers' defense was really good and that the Seattle offense was really good. uh, What? This game was a before that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we were we were told the entire, you know, sort of going into the game that Green Bay was more stout up front than Seattle. Um and they were. I mean, they they pressured Wilson on more than 50% of his dropbacks. Um but ultimately Russell Wilson and the Seahawks outgained the Packers. Um they made a lot of plays. Wilson had a 106 passer rating win pressured. Um their yards per play were actually higher than their historical um, you know average for the season I think they were so they clearly didn't work this out ahead of time because Eric is saying that offense is more important than defense and this game shows it and his co-host goes yeah that's true Seattle's offense was incredible and in fact they played better on offense than they have all year but the Packers defense was better maybe they just think Seattle won I don't know I'm I'm, I'm a little confused because the initial statement for Mr. Eric was, defense doesn't matter. The whole co host comes out and says, yes, yeah, Seattle's offense was great. Packers' defense was great. Packers won. And the look on his face as he just sits there and watch it happen to him is hilarious. So then he goes on and tries to do damage control and explain how Green Bay's defense actually isn't that good. And that, in fact, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I, I, let's, let's listen to what this guy is trying to do here. <laughs> You, point we were talking before this, which is like Malik Turner, Malik Turner drops a stone-cold wide-open pass. That's not an example of Green Bay's defense being great, yep. right? It's an example of offense dictating what happens in this game. Great offense is going to win out, right? That's just what happens. Yep. And bad offense is also going to make your defense look good, right? So Russell Wilson, yep. in this game, his fatal flaw was that he held onto the ball, a long time, and he did not feel the pressure in Aaron Rodgers. Alright, stop, 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 stop. Wow. This This is how I knew he was a Vikings fan. This is how I absolutely knew, because this makes no sense. Point number one. Offense dictates to defense. So the point you're making is Basically, the, the way that I'm going to be right about this is that I'm going to say offense is more important than defense. And if you point out to me a good defense, I'm going to say that it wasn't actually good defense, it was just bad offense, which you can do in every case. Except your one example is ridiculous. You gave one example of a guy dropping a pass. How many other drop passes were there? And, and where do the five sacks come into play? And how about the dropped interception? Can we just hand him, can we hand Kevin King the ball since we're just going to make stuff up? Let me ask you another question. Explain to me how the Tennessee Titans beat the number one ranked offense in football. How did that happen? And don't even give me this garbage about Lamar didn't play well. He threw some of the most pinpoint perfect passes I've ever seen in my life. He was running for his life. That is a very good offense that tried to dictate a win, but lost to a better defense. Because the old adage that defense wins championships has kind of been true for a while. If you don't have a good defense, you don't have yourself a Super Bowl. The last time a team won that didn't have a top 10 defense was the 2013 Ravens. And I tell you right now with 100% certainty, that was a top 10 defense by the time they hit the playoffs. And Ray Lewis said, guys, I just need one more. The last time a team won a Super Bowl without a top 10 defense, or excuse me, offense, 2016 Broncos. That offense was not good at all. Their quarterback was ranked 39th, but they had the number four ranked uh, scoring defense and the number one defense in terms of yardage. And no, their quarterback didn't get better in the postseason. He was the same guy that couldn't hardly do anything, at least physically. This is, this is such ridiculous nonsense trying to say that despite the fact that it was actually the Packers' defense that won and the, the Seahawks' offense that lost, in other words, a good offense versus a good defense, and the defense won, the way you twist this is by actually saying the, the, the Seahawks' offense wasn't good? The guy just laid out the statistics! It was a very good offensive performance, and Russell Wilson played out of his mind. And, and oh, he held onto the ball too long? I wonder why, genius. Do you think maybe it's because nobody was open? Because, you know, defense? What are you talking about? Why are you doing this? The, the reputation of pro football focus is, is going in the tank every time you open your mouth. PFF is all about advanced analytics. It's about statistics. It's supposed to be about facts. Right? Even your grading scale is based on a very strict criteria of factual information, and you got this guy flapping his gums saying the dumbest crap I've ever heard in my life. Offense dictates to defense? A good defense is nothing more than a bad offense? What are you talking about? These words have never been spoken in the history of the universe ever, except by this Vikings fan who forgets that he's on, on an actual broadcast And his hatred of the Packers has so consumed him that he can't even form a coherent thought. He is is so loath to give the Packers any credit that he's essentially saying that the Seahawks just, their offense just fell apart. The five sacks just kind of happened. Russell Wilson held onto the ball. Because he just felt like it, not because nobody was open, but because he felt like it, despite the fact we saw the replays and the coverage and nobody was open and there was nowhere to go with the ball. But we're not gonna give Packers any credit. This 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 is exactly the problem. And I don't I don't think we're gonna have time to get to my other thing. Maybe we'll talk about it tomorrow. I don't have a problem with the analytics community. But but this is no different than than in, in the political realm. Where there's statistics and there's evidence for just about anything that you want to prove. And when you get people with enough bias they'll try to use all this stuff to basically paint a picture that just isn't so. And this is not even a coherent-looking picture. This isn't even using statistics or anything. This is just a guy that's lost his mind. Either he's lost his mind or he's never had one. I don't know. I don't know who this guy is. I've never heard him speak before. But this is dumb. And it's not just because he's talking about the Packers. This is I mean, if this is a stance that he's taking that offense is more important than defense. And any time you see an example of a defense beating out the offense, it's because the offense didn't do what it's supposed to do. That's called circular logic, my friend. That's not how this works. That's not how anything works. If, if you're listening to this and you want, I can let you borrow my 13-year-old daughter's introduction to logic book. It'll maybe help you work through this a little bit. She's done with that one. She's moved on to intermediate logic. So you can borrow the, the intro to logic book if you, if you want. It seems like you you might need it. But 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 that's what that's what gets me so frustrated about this because there are people that are just being honest. I don't have any problem with Vegas giving better odds to the 49ers. Again, I trust Vegas because Vegas is just all they care about is money. I trust a greedy capitalist because they just care about money. They're not biased. They're not willing to 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 lose money to get their way. A Vikings fan working at a casino setting a betting line is not going to move the line to sort of hurt the Packers fans feeling because they just care about money and so I can trust them doesn't mean they're right but they're going to take all the the available information which is the other thing I wanted to talk about but we don't have time is you know how much how much of the stuff that we can see accounts for the whole picture that's sort of a a, another question that we'll try to talk about tomorrow because some of the analytics people seem to think that all the information we have is all the information we need. And my ability to take the information and paint the correct picture is is 100% accurate. So I, I am all-knowing, and that's, that's when you get to be obnoxious. I love analytics, I love numbers, I love playing with stuff because it provides a little bit of context, it paints a picture. But the actual beauty in football, I'll, I'll give you the end of the story tomorrow, I'll just ruin it, is the fact that we don't know anything. The fact that there isn't a supercomputer that's going to tell us who wins the Super Bowl because there will never be a supercomputer that can tell us that because there is an unknown quantity to the human element of football that will always remain unknown, that that can't ever be known. That is the part about football that makes football special. Statistics will never be able to touch that part of football, ever. And so some of these people are just wildly speaking out of turn. And I'm to the point now that anytime I see it, I'm just going to try to come swing it. If you want to say you think the 49ers are going to win, I don't care. That's fine. You should think that. If I wasn't a Packers fan, I'd say, yeah, 49ers are going to win. And I don't the other game, I don't know. I know everyone thinks Chiefs. I'm kind of leaning Titans a little bit. Same way I was leaning Titans against the Raven. Because you have these wildly good offenses going up against a team that, has a, that is just a solidly, you know, steady team. You know, I, I go for the steady team every time. You know, a steady Patriots-looking team versus a team that let a team score 24 points in a quarter and then came back and scored like 30 or three touchdowns in three minutes that is the epitome of volatility anyways that's neither here nor there point is i have no problem even with packer fans saying i think we're gonna lose that i've gotten so many messages saying i'm not feeling good about this i don't think we're gonna win that doesn't bother me 49ers are a good team and even if they weren't, there's no guarantees in football, which is another thing that the analytics community doesn't want to look at. They look at the fact that the Packers almost lost to the Lions and say, therefore, they're garbage. Why? Because your supercomputer said if they were good, they would have blown them out of the water. Your supercomputer is stupid. And I hate the fact that I am at war with the analytics community because I feel like these are my people. I'm the one that's been taking the, the arrows for PFF for two years. I've been talking about how, you know, back up, And listen, this guy is not the embodiment of what PNFF is. I don't know who he is. I don't know why he's there. I don't know who le- who gave him a microphone. He's not speaking anything factual or even using. What is going on with Twitter? Dude, this is ridiculous. The stuff that's trending is just, get out of here. I gotta get off here. There's stuff popping up. Like, why is... What? Anyways. So th- there's, there's a lot more I wanted to talk about, but, you know, time constraints and whatnot. I know it's only 36 minutes in, but... I got to go to work. Speaking of, well, a couple things. Number one, don't forget Patreon. If everybody listening decides to give me a dollar a month, I can start working on my sales pitch to my wife to quit my job. It won't work, but I'll, I'll start. I'll try. Uh, secondly, on a slightly more serious note, although I would seriously appreciate that, regardless of what happens with the Green Bay Packers, in a few weeks, the season is over. Let me encourage you, because there's a lot more listeners now than there have been over the past year because of how much popularity there are with the Packers and they're in the playoffs and all that. Let me encourage you to please stick around after the season is over. If you need a couple of days to recoup after a loss, if there is a loss, that's fine. But, but please come back, because I'll tell you what, the off season is when things get fun. The, with the draft coming up, with free agency coming up, this, this is one of my favorite times of the year. In fact, if the Packers were in the playoffs, this would already be my favorite time of the year. It's the time when we get to dream as Packer fans about what can be, what might be, to look at the prospects, to look at the free agents, and then once we get them to talk about what they might be able to do for us. The offseason is the time to dream about what could be. It's also the, the best time to go back and really dig in deep into what the Packers were, not just what they can be, but what they really were and to theorize, and, and that's what I love the most. The regular season is not my favorite time to podcast. It's easy because everything's laid out for you, but it almost kind of gets monotonous. It's the same thing. It's the same schedule. It's it's, it's just, but you got to hit on these points, so I can't get away from it. Even on a daily podcast, you get your routines and your rituals. I like the off-season. The off-season is when the fun happens. So please let me encourage you to at least stick around for, for a week or for two weeks just to see if if I'm lying to you. And if you don't love it, and if you're not getting some insights that you never thought you would, and if you're not enjoying the off season, by all means, go into to football hibernation, and we'll we'll see you again in August. But uh, I promise you, this off season is going to be a lot of fun. I'm still planning on doing daily. I did it daily last year. Didn't think I could, but um, I made it, and I fully intend to do it again. So that's my pitch. I'd love to see the numbers increase in the off season instead of decrease. Anyways, you folks have yourselves a fantastic day. It's us against the world, and that's exactly how it needs to be. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.